You are listening to the LifePoint Church Sermon of the Week. For more resources, visit us at lifepoint.cc. Well, good morning, everybody. So glad you decided to come to church this morning. Are you glad? Yeah? Can you hear me? Hear me okay? Awesome. Um, Man, these are interesting times in which we live, isn't it? I'm so thankful um, that we get to walk with Jesus. Can you imagine walking through this last year without him? (laughs) Um, I can't imagine it. And you just find so much comfort, so much um, grace for these seasons with him. And I've watched it over the last um, 10 months or so as as God has just continued to be faithful. Holy Spirit has has continued to just be poured out um, among this community of believers. And God has uh, given us supernatural um, favor, protection, and I wish believing that God, who has been faithful before, will continue to be faithful. Amen? Amen. Amen. I believe it even if you don't. So um, this morning I have the privilege of introducing Pastor uh, Riley Edwards. He's a, a associate Chi Alpha uh, pastor and uh, our youth pastor, him and Sheena. But we have been in this series entitled um, Kingdom Culture over the last number of weeks in which we have really looked at the ways of of King Jesus. And so we've looked at the way of discipleship, the way of honor, the way of prayer. Last week, Pastor Alex shared uh, one of our core values, who's next, and uh, talking about who who's coming after us. And uh, Riley's going to continue in, the, in that same vein of that core value of who's next, because it's really the way of the kingdom. Jesus, one of the last things that Jesus said uh, to his disciples was, he didn't say, Hey, it starts and it stops with you guys. You guys, you guys spent all this time with me, and so uh, just tell everybody how great it was that you were with me. <laughs> no, he said, go and make disciples, didn't he? Go and make disciples. And he's still saying that same thing to us today. Go and, and make disciples. See who's not here, which seats are open, and find someone, and don't just fill the seat, but take them along on the journey with you. And... Um, we just have such a passion for the next generation, those that come after us. Uh, think about your life, um, some of the experiences that you've had with the Lord. And, or maybe you haven't. I want you to know this morning there is a, there's a true encounter with the living God to be had. Not emotionalism, not just goosebumpy feelings, but a true encounter with the living God. But if you've had one of those, think about that. And think about someone in your life that if they were to experience God in the same way that you did, how transformative that would be. And so for us as believers, we can't make anyone follow Jesus, right? We can't argue on anyone into the kingdom, but all we can do is provide opportunities for people to experience King Jesus. And so what happens to generations is we maybe we experience God for ourselves, and we have this life-changing encounter, and then we tell the next generation about it. We tell them about how God showed up, how he was faithful, how he transformed our life. And they hear about it, but it's not enough for them just to hear right? They have to experience it for themselves. They have to know it for themselves. Because what happens is a generation comes, they hear about it, and then they try to experience the fruit of the transformation from the previous generation, but it only comes by works. It doesn't come through transformative power in the life, in the heart. So we, our, our role is to really provide opportunities for young people to experience God's presence. And so this last Friday, we had a fall youth night here, and um, there was 20-some youth, youth young, uh, really, I mean, they're junior high pretty much, right, students in this room, and they spread out all across this place, and uh, I believe had true encounters with the living God. 
And that's what we're doing as a, as, a, as a church. We just believe in the next generation. And so a few years ago, we found ourselves in a place as a church that was growing. However, we didn't have a viable youth ministry. And so we're, we're not in a place that's saying, well, we don't have a youth ministry, so we just need to have one because churches have youth ministry. Uh, but instead, we believe so wholeheartedly in the next generation. We say, God, we're missing out an entire generation if we don't provide an opportunity for people to experience God's presence. And so Pastor Riley and Sheena, they, they raised their hand, and they said, well, we'll do it. And so they started with just a handful of students. And um, it's funny, I've been in that position of, of starting something, planting something, pioneering something. And you're casting vision to maybe it's just a handful of people, and you're like, we're going to change the world. God's going to do something through this group. And they're looking around, they're like, there's a, just like five of us here. What are we going to do? And you're like, just wait. God's going to multiply. God's going to multiply. Consistency over time. Faithfulness over time. Sowing seed, good seed over time and reaping a harvest. And that's what Pastor Riley and Sheena have been doing over the last few years. And now the, the youth ministry's tripled and uh, God's beginning to do stuff. And he's going to come and he's going to share more of their story. Um, but would you guys this morning, in typical Life Point fashion, would you stand to your feet and would you welcome Pastor Riley as he comes and shares the words today? That's awesome. Thank you guys for doing that. I really appreciate that. It gets, gets me going. <laughs> so as Pastor Tony said, we had our first uh, fall youth night here in the sanctuary on Friday, and it, um, it was pretty crazy. So if you see any, like, um, just um, pieces of pepperoni pizza or anything like that, any spare candy bars, I'm sorry, I, I didn't see them all. There were just things chucked all over the place. Uh, if it's a candy bar, feel free to eat it, get some nourishment from that. But um, I'm just so uh, excited to be here um, in this spot where I get to share about the next generation, seeing who's next as, as it comes to youth. Because for me, youth ministry really changed my life. I had grown up going to church. I would grown up going to Sunday school. I was confirmed in my church, but it was in youth group and specifically at a conference in eighth grade where I decided to give my life to Jesus wholly and completely. I had responded to the gospel, and I left my seat at the Target Center, and I came to the floor, and I knelt at the altar, and I gave my life to Jesus, and I meant it, and my life was forever changed from that moment. I had, uh, I, I by no means was perfect in my walk with the Lord. I, there are a lot of things that I misunderstood still, but that moment was a real milestone moment for my life with the Lord. And I just expect um, the Lord to encounter our youth in the same way, in that same powerful way. He wants to use our youth in such a powerful way in this church and in this city. So I'm just really excited that I get to share with you guys today about um, how God can use the youth of this church. Um, but to start off, I just want to talk about something else that I'm passionate about or excited about. Um, and it's not nearly as cool as Pastor Alex talking about jumping off cliffs into bodies of water last week. Um, but something I'm excited about is history. Um, I, I love history. I went to school at Iowa State University in 2013 to become a history education teacher. That's what I wanted to do um, before God called me into ministry. And um, I don't think that usually uh, surprises anybody. I feel like I kind of fit that mold of what a history teacher might be like. But <laughs> I don't know why that's so funny. <laughs> um, 
But to start off the day, I just figured we'd start with a little history lesson, if that's all right with you guys. So if you could take your notebooks out and start to take notes, I'll quiz you guys later. Um, but I just want us to look throughout history at some young people that really made an impact on, their, on the world. Um, so to start off, uh, there's a guy named Alexander the Great. And when you have the title of the great in your name, that means you're either really cool or you're so bad that you made people call you the great. And it's not that good of a thing. But Alexander the Great was actually just a really smart military leader. And he basically conquered everything he knew to be the world at the time by the time he was like 30 years old. But he started that and he founded his first colony when he was only 16 years old. Um, so I don't know what it would be like if you guys had founded a colony at 16. I'm sure it would have been pretty wild, but I think that's impressive. Um, another guy I want to point us to in history is a guy named Luis Braille. So if you could guess maybe what he did, he invented the Braille language at only 15 years old, um, which I think that is one of the most um, crazy um, milestones for anybody, but he did it when he was only 15 years old. And then lastly, there's a guy named Mozart, and he's actually a little younger than the other two, but he wrote his first symphony at eight years old. And I think that's extremely impressive because I can't even clap on beat when Pastor Tony's leading us in worship. I just can't do it. Sometimes I can stare at people's hands as they're clapping, but I can't figure out the beat. I don't know what's up with that. And then as we look at the Bible, we see time and time again how God has used young people to do incredible things for God. King David was only around 15 years old when he fought and he defeated Goliath. Mary was only around 14 when she carried Jesus and gave birth to the Messiah of the world. And the disciples that Jesus called to follow him were only teenagers when they decided to leave everything else behind and to follow him with their lives. And we see that to be the case. Time and time again, the, the culture of the kingdom of God is not that youth just walk in the door and they, they sit down in our services and, and they're just kind of here. But the culture of the kingdom of God is that youth do incredible things to advance the kingdom of God. He wants to use them. He wants to use the youth of this church to do incredible things. He doesn't just want them to be here. So I want us to keep that in mind as we look at Jesus, as he's calling us first disciples in John 1. So if you guys have your Bibles, if, and turn to uh, John 1, we'll be reading in John 1, 35 through 51. And as you guys are turning there, I'll uh, pray for us as we dive into God's word. God, we thank you for, for your word. We thank you for the revelations that we can get and glean from your word. I pray that your word would... Um, pierce our hearts today that we'd be able to understand and comprehend your word um, by the power of your Holy Spirit. God, we ask you to speak to us in Jesus' name. Amen. So I suppose I should open my Bible. Um, sorry. All right, so John 1.35 says this. The next day, again, John was standing with two of his disciples, and he looked at Jesus as he walked by and said, Behold, the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. Jesus turned and saw them following and said to them, What are you seeking? 
And they said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? He said to them, come and you will see. And they came and saw where he was staying. And they stayed with him that day, for it was about the 10th hour. One of the two who heard John speak and followed Jesus was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his own brother, Simon, and said to him, we have found the Messiah, which means Christ. He brought him to Jesus, and Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon, the son of John. You shall be called Cephas, which means Peter. And then in verse 43, it says, The next day Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, Follow me. Now Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. And Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We have found him whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote. Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nathanael said to him, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? And Philip said to him, Come and see. Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him and said to him, Behold, an Israelite indeed in whom there is no deceit. And Nathanael said to him, How do you know me? Jesus answered him, Before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Nathanael answered him, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. Jesus answered him, Because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree. Do you believe? You will see greater things than these. And he said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. God's heart is for young people. He cares about young people. He wants to use young people. He wants young people to encounter his heart for them and for their lives to be forever changed. He wants to encounter the youth of this church and this city in that same way. And I think we can look at this scripture and we can kind of glean three examples or applications for how we can uh, interact with the youth of this city and this church. So the first thing that we can do is that we need to point our youth to Jesus. And I know what you're thinking. You're thinking that's a mind-blowing revelation of truth, and you're not surprised that they pay me the big bucks because that is just a divine piece of, of information, right? And I know that sounds so simple, and it sounds so uh, redundant or um, so basic, but we need to make sure that we get that part right. We need to make sure we are pointing the youth of this church and this city to Jesus. And I, th- I think we can look at John the Baptist's example from this scripture and see uh, why that's so important. As we, we look at John the Baptist and he's making the way for Jesus and he's leading his disciples, he's teaching his disciples, he's living with his disciples, he's pouring into his disciples and he sees Jesus walk by and he points to Jesus and he says, behold the Lamb of God. And what his disciples do is they stop following John and they start following Jesus. They leave John behind and they encounter Jesus for themselves. And in that same way, we need to point past ourselves, point past our faith, and allow our youth to encounter Jesus for themselves. Because it's important that our youth are not just um, brought up in the church, that they don't just have a good upbringing, that they're not just following the rules and they're attending things and living through their uh, parents' faith or their pastor's faith, but it's important that they are appointed to Jesus so they can encounter Jesus for themselves and for their lives to be forever changed. 
And I know we can look at the time of high school and we can really just um, cling to our kids in that age because we're afraid of sending them off or afraid of letting them go. We don't want them to leave us behind because we'll miss them. But we need to make sure that we're using that season of life, that short season of life, and making sure that they have encountered Jesus for themselves, that they've had an ex- uh, the opportunity to experience Jesus Christ for themselves, so that when they're sent away, when they leave us behind and they enter college or the marketplace, and on, when they're on their own, and life gets hard or difficult and their faith is tested, that they have something to, to stand on, that they have something um, substantial in their life to cling on to. And it's not somebody else's faith, but it's their own faith and their identity is securely locked in Jesus Christ. We want to send our youth to college and career fully rooted in their identity in Jesus. And growing up, I heard a couple times and it just really stuck with me because I, it just blew my mind that somebody would think like this, even in my youth. But they, they, they told, they would say things like, when youth graduate from high school, the normal thing is for them to kind of leave their faith behind and experience everything that the world has to offer, to indulge in the things of this world, to have some fun, and then maybe once they get married and they have kids, they can come back to the church and they can raise their kids in the church so their kids kind of are brought up in those Christian values. And that's not my prayer at all for the youth. That's not my expectation for the youth because encountering Jesus and relationship with Jesus is the most life-giving and fulfilling thing that we can ever experience in this world. And if they encounter Jesus in their youth, they're not going to be lacking when they leave the house. They're not going to be lacking when they're sent out. They'll be rooted and fulfilled and satisfied in Jesus Christ. And that's why every Wednesday we make it our priority to preach the gospel and allow our students to respond for themselves, to give them the opportunity to make that decision to follow Jesus for themselves. Because it needs to go past just showing up on Wednesdays and Sundays and doing the right things and living through maybe their parents' faith or my faith or Pastor Drew's faith, and it needs to become personal to them. They need to be awakened to the revelation that Jesus died for them and he wants to have a relationship with them. So we need to make sure that we're like John the Baptist and we point our youth past ourselves into Jesus. The second thing is this, that God's heart is for youth and he wants to use the youth of our church to win others for Jesus. He wants them not to just sit on the sideline and be spectators and just kind of wait and wait and wait until someday they're ready to, to win people for Jesus, but he wants to use them to win people for Jesus now. He wants to use them to impact their schools in this city for God. And we see uh, two really good examples in the scripture as we look at Philip and Andrew. They both encountered Jesus for themselves and they responded to that and they gave their lives to Jesus. But after that response, after their lives were given to Jesus and they responded in that way, they just didn't um, keep that to themselves. But they, they went and they went to their friends and their brother and they brought them to Jesus. They pointed them to Jesus. And because they did that, both Peter and Nathaniel, their lives were forever changed. Their identities were completely rooted in Jesus after they were able to experience Jesus Christ for themselves. 
And it's, it's really that simple. As youth of this church encounter Jesus for themselves, all they have to do is point others in that direction, point them to the Jesus that changed their life, and they will encounter God. And even if they're like Nathaniel and they doubt, and they say, can anything good come from Nazareth? If they say, is Jesus really a good God? We know that as they experience Jesus for themselves, as, as they say, come and see, just like Philip, they will encounter the living God and their lives can be forever changed. And the youth are actually really good at doing this. They kind of put the rest of the church to shame sometimes and how easy they make this kind of lifestyle look sometimes as they, they bring people along with them to youth group or church or as they open up their Bibles with their friends or pray with their friends. Um, they sh just show us how easy it is to just invite people along, point people to Jesus for themselves. Hey, I experienced God. Do you want to come to youth group and experience God with me? And I know in my own life, just looking back at some of the key moments, it was because Jesus brought me along, or because friends brought me along to see Jesus with them that my life was changed. I didn't come to youth group on my own. Somebody brought me to youth group. And as people brought me to conventions and prayer meetings and Chi Alpha and missions trip, it was in those moments that I was able to see God in different ways. I was uh, able to see God in different ways that I had not seen him before. So we need to make sure we're bringing people uh, with us to Jesus, pointing them to Jesus. And we need to make sure that we're equipping the youth to know that they have an influence in their schools and in the city, that their voice isn't silent and that they don't have to wait to be used by God once they're graduated or they um, have a certain career or have a family or whatever, but they, they can be used now. And we need to make sure that they know that and that we encourage them that they could uh, completely transform their schools, that they can win others for Jesus. And as they do, um, their schools can be completely changed. And then the third thing that we can apply to how we interact with the youth in our church, in our city, is that God's heart is for the youth. And we cannot limit how God wants to use teens. So just as Nathaniel was impacted by Jesus in a powerful way uh, when he first met Jesus, Nathaniel came and he saw Jesus for himself and Jesus spoke so personally into his life, so intimately into his life that he had that, that encounter with God that he could cling to forever, that changed his life forever. Jesus didn't just expect him to hold on to that one experience and, and to go off on his way and just kind of sit there, right? Jesus invited him into so much more, so much more than he could ever expect, to be a part of something so much bigger than he expected in that moment. And in that same way, we cannot put a cap on how God wants to use the youth of this church. We can't be afraid to encourage the youth to step out in faith, to, to, to go out and, and to be used by the Holy Spirit to pray for people in their schools, to, to make an impact for missions, whatever it is. Our youth are the most creative people kind of in the, in, in the world because they have so much ideas and they have so much hope and they have so much freedom to run with things and um, they, they just kind of go for things and they have a pulse on where things are headed that maybe we don't have. So as they um, work with the Holy Spirit, as they're led by the Holy Spirit and they're fueled to reach um, those around them and make an impact, they can do incredible things. Because um, 
they see things completely different than me. I'm not going to make an app that changes the world, probably. I'm not going to, to do a lot of these things that, that the students see as impactful because I just don't see things the same way. But if we encourage them to be used by God in any way that, that he has gifted them, they're going to make a huge impact on this world. And Jesus, he used 12 young people. He used 12 young disciples, and he used them to change the world forever. And he wants to use the youth of this church to change the world forever as well. So what, what would it look like if um, we pointed youth to more than just attending church? What if we pointed youth to more than just one encounter with Jesus? What if our youth were on fire for Jesus and encouraged and empowered to live out their faith? What would Ames look like if, uh, with young people that are on fire for Jesus? I think that it would be completely different. That a generation of people that people have uh, deemed as depressed and anxious and lost and not rooted in anything firm would be completely filled with hope and vision and love and, and that um, schools would be completely changed and the whole atmosphere of our town would be completely changed just because of some youth, youth in this city going after it for Jesus, completely on fire and empowered by the Holy Spirit. And in our youth group, we are blessed with a number of kids that are on fire for God. They have big influences. They love people well, and they love Jesus well. And I just wanted to um, provide an opportunity for the church to hear from one of our students and how they have encountered Jesus for themselves and how um, encountering Jesus for themselves has impacted them. So if you guys could welcome Abigail Thompson up, give her a big cheer. She's going to share a testimony of God encountering her. My name is Abigail Thompson, and I'm 13 years old, and I've been going to church my whole life, but I came here in fifth grade, and I, enco I, I encountered the love of Jesus, and he, uh, I got to listen to his voice, and I got to hear what he had to tell me, and um, we were, had encounter time downstairs, which was a one-on-one -on -one time with the Holy Spirit, and he gave me a word to speak over someone, and then he also gave me a picture of knowledge, and like a picture of a vision, and it was of like about his love, and just like it says in John three sixteen, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, so that whoever believes in him shall not perish, perish but have eternal life. Now I'm going to share a testimony of what God did in my life. About two years ago, I was playing sports, and I kept feeling this weird pain in my lower back, and it would like switch to the left side and then to the right side, and I don't remember like this one time where it just like just like something popped or something it just like just came a sudden and like it just was hurting for a long time and it just kept getting worse and I would pray every time it hurt and I would just pray every day that I knew that God was going to heal me someday and so I fin finally went to the doctor after a few months and they told me to go to the physical therapist so I went there and they were just I was going there for a while and I, I was getting tired of going there without any result and so I just kept praying and praying and then um, I had a, a state volleyball tournament, and that went for 12 hours straight on a Saturday, and I was, like, my back was hurting so bad, and I didn't know, like, I didn't even care that we had lost the last game, that I just was crying so hard because my back hurt so bad, and um, so I went to physical therapy that next week, and 
it just like still, still was hurting. And then a few weeks later, uh, Pastor Drew asked if anyone needed healing over their bodies. And so I raised my hand and, and then the next day I had physical therapy and I didn't feel any pain. And so I was very, I was very happy. I was very happy and like that week after I played in my softball games because I just started softball, spring softball, and I pitched all three games and there was no pain up my back. And I was done before my birthday and I was that was my goal. I did not want to go to physical therapy on my birthday and I didn't have to go. And um, so I was very happy that God healed me and I knew that he's still a healer and so I knew that it would happen someday but I just didn't know when. So I was very thankful that he healed me. Praise God. I didn't do this in the first service, but is there anybody here that has back pain? I feel like God wants to heal your back because um, he did it in Abigail's life and he would like to do it in your life. Is there anybody here, if, if there is, and you'd like to raise your hand, I'd love Abigail to pray for you right now. Is anybody here with back pain? Terrence? Yes. Sorry, I didn't mean to say your name. Great. Abigail, would you mind praying for them? And then as she, she'll pray for, for people to be healed of back pain, and then she's going to transition into praying for the youth of this community and this church to encounter Jesus for themselves. God, I pray that you heal the people in this place that have back pain in their body. God, I pray that that leaves their body right now, and they never feel that pain again. God, I pray that they are able to do movements that have, they have never been able to do before. And I just pray that they're healed right now today, God. God, I pray for the teens in this city. I pray that they uh, encounter the love that you have for them. I pray that they fill, fill their minds with godly things and not things of this world. I pray that they just have a hunger for you, God, that the fire cannot be stopped. It's just roaring. In Jesus' name, amen. Yeah, can you give it up for Abigail? That's just one example of a, of a student that has encountered Jesus for themselves and is empowered to, to minister to people, is empowered by the Holy Spirit. So um, we just are so um, expectant for what God wants to do in the youth in this church. God loves the youth. He, he cares about youth. He, he deeply wants to, to meet them where they are, to change their lives forever, to give them hope and purpose and identity. And he also loves each of you. You guys didn't miss the boat if you are not a youth anymore. Um, it's, um, he, he loves you and he wants to use you as well. I mean, the healthiest churches are multi-generational churches where everybody does their part, where no one sits on the sideline and feels uh, left behind, but everybody's engaged in the, in the uh, purpose of the kingdom. Um, so as a church, I just wanna encourage you in some ways that you can reach out to the next generation, that you can do your part in, in fighting for the youth of this church and the city and in your circles. And, and the first thing is that you, you can pray for them. You can fight for them in prayer. Intercede that God would encounter them, that their lives would be forever changed. Pray for their parents and their upbringing. Fight for them in prayer. And then just get to know them. Encourage them. Um, speak to them. You know, build that relationship. Show, show them what a godly example of a man and woman of God is in church. And then impart your wisdom to them. 
um, share the testimonies of what God has done in your life to them so that they can stand on those testimonies and they can expect bigger things. And then also just bring them along, point them to Jesus. If there's people that you see in your circles, youth in in your circles that don't know Jesus, point them to Jesus. Encourage them to to encounter Jesus for themselves. And as we do these things, um, our youth can, can really encounter God in a more powerful way as the whole church comes around them and surrounds them. I just remember growing up, just all the little conversations of people investing their, their energy into me. They're, they're just giving me attention, growing a relationship with me, imparting wisdom on me, encouraging me, um, asking me to do things to grow, asking me to do things for them, you know, just building those relationships, whatever they looked like. Those things impacted me greater than those people probably will ever know. And just those people investing time and energy and love into me um, really... Um, yeah, it just made me feel loved by the church. So don't belittle any of those things that you can do to reach out to the next generation. But as we close t- today, I just have a couple of responses I want us to, to consider and to respond to. So if you guys could bow your heads and close your eyes. And the first response I want to give to the, the crowd is that if you have never encountered Jesus for yourself, if this is the first time that somebody has pointed you to Jesus as Messiah and Savior, or this is the first time in, in your heart you just feel the prompting to respond to him, to give your life to him, I want to pray for you. If this is the first time that, that you've heard that there is a, 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 the man of Jesus that came from heaven and he lived a perfect life died a death that you and I deserve because we know that we all have fallen short of the the glory of God. We have all sinned and we know that the penalty of sin is death. But Jesus, he lived that perfect life and he died the death that we deserved so that um, our sins could be forgiven and that we could come into right relationship with Jesus. And all we have to do is confess with our mouth that he is Lord of our lives, that he is the king of our lives, and to believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead, that he has defeated death it says in the Bible that we will be saved, that you will be saved. If that's you here today, you want to respond to Jesus in that way, I'd encourage you to um, respond physically by raising a hand, indicating that you want to give your life to Jesus. Does anybody here want to give their lives to Jesus? that's you and you want to respond to God, it's, um, all you have to do is, is declare him as Lord and believe in your heart that he, he was raised from the dead. But uh, if you could pray with me something like this, um, God doesn't care about exactly what we say. It's not a, like a formula. It's not um, ritual, but it's um, about showing God the contents of our heart, giving our heart to God. So if you want to give your life to Jesus today, just pray something like this. God, I recognize that you are the Messiah, that you are the King, you are the Savior, and I give my life to you today. I acknowledge that I need you, that I need the forgiveness of my sins that only you can provide, and I give my life to you. I I repent of my old life, and I give my life to you. I'm going to follow you wherever you lead me. God, I just pray you empower me and strengthen me to follow you for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name, amen.
And then the second response I have is for anybody that wants to be used in a greater way to encounter the youth of this city and this church. If you want God to empower you to, to witness to this next generation, to impart your wisdom on this next generation, I encourage you to respond by raising your hand as well. So if anybody here wants to be used in that way and you'd like to receive pray. God, I thank you for this church. I thank you for the youth of this church. I thank you for the miracle that you're doing in, in, the, in the youth of this church. God, I thank you for each and every person here. I thank you that you've um, sculpted a healthy, multi-generational church here, and I just pray you empower each member to love well, to love the next generation. Well, Holy Spirit, I pray that you speak to their hearts, that you would provide specific names or avenues to where they can minister to the youth because Holy Spirit you can instruct better than I can so Holy Spirit I pray you speak to their souls that you give them instruction and vision for how they can reach the next generation how they can see who's next I just pray Holy Spirit that you empower them to reach the next generation in Jesus name This has been the LifePoint Church Sermon of the Week. For more resources, visit us at lifepoint.cc.